Have you been stressed, anxious, or worried? Have you felt pangs of loneliness in recent times? Are you longing for greater connection with others in the world around you? In a phrase, are you looking for happiness? You are not alone. Millions of others are seeking this feeling of spiritual, mental, and physical wellness too. This podcast explores the underlying causes of unhappiness and shares with us the secrets of rewriting the frequent thoughts and redirecting the common behaviors that keep us in that state. Join forensic psychologist and best-selling author Dr. Nihal and her guests as they dive deep in the realm of psychological wellness and explore ways of finding happiness on demand. Clinical psychologist Joe Nihal has written the Wall Street Journal best-selling book, Happy is the New Healthy. Coping with natural disasters is causing a lot of concern among people worldwide, including what she terms eco-anxiety. Dr. Nihal, we've had to deal with a pandemic, widespread flooding, wildfires like we've never seen before, avalanches, hurricanes, tornadoes, and so on. Is this impacting mental health? Definitely. And it's not something that people look at when they're thinking of getting rid of a fire. Look, hardly a day goes by that we don't hear of another natural disaster of fires burning uncontrollably, earthquakes, floods, an economic downturn, climate change. Dr. Dan Siegel talks about six pandemics that we're dealing with today. And from Dan's perspective, the solo self pandemic, or focusing just on ourselves, clearly has had a negative impact on each of the other five pandemics, and is maybe a fundamental source of them. Let me explain what I mean by five pandemics. I just gave you the sixth one. The five pandemics are first, infectious disease, as Dr. Silverman talked about just now, COVID-19. But many pandemics affect us today. The second pandemic we face is social injustice. The dehumanization and marginalization that emerges from the in-group dominating over out-groups that are subordinate in the social hierarchy. The third pandemic is environmental destruction. We live in an era where human activity is having devastating consequences for life on Earth and the environment that sustains us. The fourth pandemic is of misinformation and polarization made rampant with the Internet's capacity to create self-sustaining bubbles of isolated information sharing. The fifth pandemic is of attention addiction or the pull of our attentional focus toward compelling states of endless comparison and competition and the resulting feelings of inadequacy, inferiority and incompleteness. Then there is a sixth pandemic, the Western view of an isolated, separate identity called the solo self. This is the belief that our identity is separate from others, especially from others not like me people, as well as separate from other non-human species. This individualistic perspective preempts the opportunity to focus on a global identity and on what we can be doing as a group right around the world. These pandemics mitigate against happiness and will be the focus of our podcast today. Namely, as you asked, how do we cope with these things that we're not used to having in our day-to-day lives? Climate change has caused physical, tangible harm, in particular in Canada, with fires raging and raging 
uncontrollably from Eastern Canada to Western Canada. The same is true for the United States, where over 40% of the population have been subjected to hurricanes, tornadoes, and different natural disasters. The often overlooked consequence, from my perspective, is a decrease in our mental health right across the planet. The COVID-19 pandemic was a time of suffering. According to the World Health Organization, depression and anxiety increased 25% globally during the first year of the pandemic. And we're still vulnerable two and a half years later. But the daily reminders of global warming include extreme heat, war, water rationing, and parched landscapes. And these are threatening to worsen the situation. And guess what? We don't have medication or vaccines to save us this time. Heat itself is associated with mental illness. At Arizona State University, they've developed a robot that can mimic a human being's physiological response to extreme heat. But apart from the physical aspect, mood disorders, anxiety, and aggressive behavior have been linked to higher temperatures. A 2019 study published by the National Bureau of Economic Research found that violent crime in Los Angeles increased by 5.7% on days when temperatures rose above 85 degrees Celsius. The authors of a 2018 study in the journal entitled Nature predicted that warmer temperatures could lead to as many as 14 thousand additional suicides in the United States and Mexico by 2050. It's not too far away. Mental and psychosocial well-being will decline as climate change pressures increase. Hurricanes and wildfires lead to deaths and property destruction in the short term, as happened recently in Halifax, Nova Scotia. But they also contribute to depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, and suicidal ideations. Imagine, if you will, that you were given an evacuation notice to leave your property at once. And under that pressure, you just pick up what you can and run. And when you get back, as people did in Nova Scotia, they didn't find their home anymore, just a rubble of ruins. And guess what? They don't see the opportunity of getting a new home in the foreseeable future. Now think about the impact of, of that on your mental health. Climate change leads to displacement of populations as parts of the globe become uninhabitable due to sea level rise, drought and other weather events. And that's happening even as I talk. Fear of global warming leaves many of us feeling hopeless and powerless, dreading what is to come and sensing that it's inevitable. Look, the 2020 poll by the American Psychiatric Association found that 67% of Americans are anxious about the effects of climate change, and 55% are worried about its impact on their mental health. Climate anxiety is also referred to as climate distress, climate grief, or as you asked, eco-anxiety. It will present itself in human beings, like you and I, as a low-grade form of depression, in which people are sad for the state of the world, and it can contribute to generalized anxiety disorder, major depressive disorder, panic disorder, and insomnia. The APA, or the American Psychological Association, points out that we tend toward conflict avoidance 
resignation and helplessness in the face of climate change and natural disasters. So perhaps we aren't looking at solutions. We haven't in the past because that was our defense mechanism at work. That's, you know, that's for later. I'm not going to look at that right now. Denial works. Look, children and young adults are experiencing anxiety surrounding the climate crisis. In a global survey published in The Lancet in December 2022, nearly 60% of the 16 to 25-year-old respondents reported that they were very or extremely worried about climate change. 25% admitted feeling moderately worried, but over 45% said climate change has had a negative impact on their day-to-day living. I had a client come to see me recently and she said to me, how can I motivate my son to go on to higher education? He's going to finish grade 12 and he's seeing the world as hopeless. Another one says to me, well, I'm not going to have a child. Why bother bringing another child into the world? The world is destroying itself. We're in a hot bath. Some people, especially young people, sometimes are described as the climate generation because they're at particular risk of experiencing the impacts of climate change. Many young people have never known a life without hearing climate change and how it will negatively affect the future. People in my era didn't have that concern when we were going to school. Research indicates that the rapidly developing brain of children and adolescents, combined with the limited ability to adapt to climate stressors, may make children worry about climate change more so than any other group. So eco-anxiety is the term we use to understand the urgency and severity of ongoing environmental issues. And eco-anxiety can lead to helplessness, despair, loss of hope for the future, especially for Generation Z or those born between 1997 and 2012. Eco-anxiety is a form of anxiety related to environmental issues, including pollution, deforestation, species extinction, overpopulation, and other environmental challenges. The uncertainty implicit to the situation is hard to tolerate or sit with when it relates to anything we feel we have less control of. There is no vaccine, as I mentioned, to solve this problem. We might have been the problem, but we could also be the solution. That's the good news. The impacts on Generation Z's fear of having children in the future is very evident. So eco-anxiety is rooted in concerns about the environment, not to be confounded with generalized anxiety or anxiety per se. Now, people who have supportive networks with reliable climate information may experience decreased mental health impacts more so than those who remain ignorant or in denial about climate change and its effects. Denial fails to address the cause of the issue and therefore will increase the overall and long-term mental health burden for those who fail to acknowledge and address climate change. The 2022 Global Risks Report warned that a divergent economy recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic risked deepening divisions at a time when collaboration was urgently needed to address looming global issues. So those are some of, that's the background to eco-anxiety. Well, that's very discouraging uh, because this is really the first generation that's had to worry about climate change and the impacts. What are some tips on how people can deal with natural disasters? Okay. 
I think what the first thing I would like to do to encourage our listeners is to motivate you to do something about it and to listen to my tips by letting me tell you how useful they will be. And not because I wrote them, but because I really think they will work. Learning When you take my tips and follow them, you will learn how to cope with chronic anxiety, and that will help us tremendously. You can learn how to sit with our feelings and the issues facing us. You will avoid becoming overwhelmed by your feelings. You will avoid burnout. You will continue to function. And guess what? Find joy in everyday life. You will stay engaged in climate action. And you will have hope for the future. So we're going to change you from uh, coping with resignation, conflict avoidance, and helplessness by saying, here's my action plan. First thing I would suggest is practicing self-care. Prioritize your mental health. Develop healthy sleep hygiene. Fuel your body with healthy nutrients. Dr. Silverman mentioned that to us just a few minutes ago. Exercise, preferably in the outdoors, for 20 minutes every day. That will elevate your mood. The research proves that. Take a look around at the things that you feel grateful for, that you appreciate in your environment. This will prime your brain to look for positives while accepting the dire reality of the present situation. There are still good things to be grateful for in that environment. Focus on what you can control. Build more sustainable habits around energy use composting, recycling, consumerism. Select food options that have less environmental impact. Change the way you commute. Have meaningful conversations with family and friends about climate change. Participate in organizations <coughs> with like-minded people. Studies show that connecting with like-minded people can reduce isolation and provide a sense of community and purpose. That's very much like what we talked about recently when we talked about overcoming loneliness by connecting and having that social connection. Engage in activities that are stress relievers, such as meditation, yoga, spending time in nature, spending time with your pets, if you have pets. Learn how you could educate yourself on environmental issues and take action or concrete steps to reduce your environmental impact. For instance, I will give my coffee cup to the barista. I'll try to reduce my carbon footprint. Look, here's the thing. We live in an era in which we have constant access to news and information and misinformation. Staying informed about current events is important. It's amazing how technology allows us to learn so quickly. However, too much exposure to negative news can increase anxiety and stress. When it comes to anxiety, it's important to be creative and think of actions you can do that will help our environment. Taking a break from the news doesn't necessarily mean avoiding. And sometimes when it comes to climate news, taking a break from the media is a must. Be mindful of how much news you consume. Staying informed is essential, but limiting your exposure to negative information to protect your well-being is equally paramount. Find a healthy balance. I tell my patients, turn off the news after 6 p.m. I promise you it'll be there to greet you in the morning. Minimize anxiety about climate news by setting up time limits. Social media and news apps can be significant sources of stress. Why not set an app limit 
to manage your screen time and expose yourself to a reduction in negative news. Just set that up. Choose your news sources carefully. Try to stick with outlets that are reliable, unbiased, and trustworthy. And when you're in an eco discussion with people and you're feeling that your anxiety is spiking, it's increasing, you can feel a tightening in your chest or in your gut, you can listen to the group and express to them that you haven't read up on the issue enough to form an opinion. Don't tell them, I can't talk about this, or worse still, I'm avoiding the news for my mental health. It's better to just say, I haven't read up enough right now to make an informed comment. You know, that's a really neat line to use. You can use it in so many other ways. In that way, you don't alienate people from you. Eco-anxiety, like any other form of anxiety, can have both positive and negative effects. On the one hand, it can motivate us to take action and make changes in our lives to address environmental issues. On the other hand, it can lead us to feelings of hopelessness and despair, which can be counterproductive. It's crucial to find a balance between those two extremes. And if you are one of those people who likes to what if yourself, like a lot of my patients, why not answer the what if question? What if this happens? What are my choices? Answer the what if question. You'll be amazed how that will reduce anxiety because you're going to ask yourself, and how did I deal with this sort of problem in the past? Hone in on your strengths. You're still alive. You're experiencing some anxiety. Hone in on the things you did in the past and bring them to the present. And yet another thing that I think is important is self-compassion. Bring that into your daily repertoire. I've noticed that people get very angry when they think about the ways in which we've destroyed our natural habitat, unlike animals. But we need to be compassionate because in the past there were no recycling bins. People were not informed about conservation and protecting the environment as we are acutely aware of today. And instead of scolding yourself for not recycling as rigidly as you can, how about using that as feedback as to how you can improve in the future? So you did KD today or you did KFC today. Okay, no need to beat up on yourself. You're just a human. You're not chatbot or chat GPT, right? By choosing compassion and empathy, we can collectively collaborate in creating a healthier environment. Darwin said in Evolution of the Species that those communities displaying the highest degree of kindness had a greater chance of survival. Optimism is like a muscle. You've got to train it. And the action that we take today will fuel optimism. Viktor Frankl called it tragic optimism. It was a type of hope that fueled him during the Holocaust. I'll end with his words. Without meaning, there is no hope. And without hope, there is no meaning. Well, those are very good uh, words and great advice for people that are trying to cope with natural disasters, which are many right now. And the news of that, which is very, very concerning to people and very discouraging to others. So we thank Dr. Joan Nihal for her wisdom today in this podcast. And thank you very much, Dr. Nihal. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for joining this discussion on happiness. We hope this helps to inspire you to lead a more joyful life. To dive deeper into the subject of happiness, be sure to check out Dr. Nihal's book, Happy is the New Healthy, 
available as an ebook or hardcover. For additional resources, visit our website at drneehall.com. Until next time, stay happy.